Good morning. I'm Emily Reese, and I'm speaking today with Karen DeVette. She's a senior operations officer from Minneapolis Public Schools, and we're going to talk about back-to-school possibilities. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Emily. Thanks so much for talking with us today. So uh, give us a little idea about some of the conversations you've been having about going back to school in the fall. Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, it's a it's a continual conversation right now in the district. Uh, we have been planning for uh, the three scenarios that the uh, MDE has asked us to prepare for back to school, in-person learning, distance learning, or a hybrid of both. And in all of that uh, conversation and planning, uh, our foremost goal is keeping students and staff safe uh, through that careful planning of how we might be able to maintain the guidance that uh, we're receiving from the Minnesota Department of Health, specifically through um, the social distancing requirements, as well as personal protective equipment and other components of a safe return to school. Um, So talk to me a little bit about what distance learning might look like this fall compared to what it looked like in the spring. Great question. So we know it has to look different, right? We've we've heard from uh, a lot of our parents. We conducted a a survey uh, at the end of our spring distance learning learning session to gain feedback on how our families experience distance learning. And, you know, we know that our families have varied levels of, of support at home for learning. We know that there were challenges for students to have access to technology and to have connectivity to online learning. We also know that we need to provide consistency around that instructional delivery uh, in communication with our educators, uh, that having a more predictable schedule uh, would be helpful and desirable for our families and that we need to find opportunities for our students to interact with each other, um, still while in distance learning, to kind of emulate that group learning piece. So much of our planning is looking at what does that distance learning look like for fall, and it will be improved. Um, We'll have to make sure, you know, we're ensuring that our families have access to the devices and the technology they need so that there is equitable access for all of our students to be able to have instructional um, instruction happen in a distance learning environment. And I, I think it's fairly clear many people agree that it's good to be in class and have that social interaction. And uh, there are just as there are difficulties with distance learning, obviously there would be difficulties with uh, people being in the buildings, and and they they stretch the gamut from transportation to cafeteria to I mean, can you talk through some of the challenges that exist there? Sure, I mean the you know we have some basic key considerations as we look at any of those hybrid models that would return students to in person learning. We have to control for um, that social distancing piece. And so the guidance from the state says that you need to maintain six feet of physical distance between individuals and reduce capacity to 50%. At 50%, if you can't maintain that six feet, then the guidance says you need to reduce further. And in fact, one of the things that we know is that uh, there's about 29 of our schools in the Minneapolis School District that can't accommodate physical distancing of six feet at a 50% capacity. 
so we would have to reduce that further. Meaning there's too many students in the building as it is, and you couldn't spread them out that much? Well, not too many students necessarily, because again, we're trying to get to 50% of our enrollment in any given school. I see. Uh, but, in, but in some cases, you know, our buildings are not uh, uniform across the system. We have different classroom sizes. We have different support spaces, different pull-out spaces, different office configurations. So it really is a building-by-building building assessment of how we could accommodate um, and maintain that physical distancing. We also have to think about how do students pass in the hallways? How do they arrive and exit schools uh, in order to maintain that six feet of physical distancing? I'm speaking this morning with Karen DeVette. She's the Senior Operations Officer for Minneapolis Public Schools. We're talking about back to school. And Karen, I'm curious what kind of uh, information you're learning from other school districts around the country or the world even as uh, some of those students go back to school. Well, what we're hearing as we talk to uh, neighboring districts in the greater Twin Cities or across the state, as well as other large urban districts throughout uh, throughout the, uh, the United States, and then watching what's happening um, uh, globally as countries bring their students back to school, is most uh, most people are struggling with some of the same concepts that we are. How do we have enough physical space to accommodate a regular uh, in-person learning schedule? Or do we bring back a certain selection of students, perhaps the students that are defined as having the greatest need for in-person instruction? Other districts are also sharing their struggles and concerns with social distancing on school buses. Um, So to maintain six feet of distance on a school bus, you're looking really at taking like the big, large yellow buses that typically may have up to 70 elementary students on them, and they may only accommodate 12 or 13 students uh, under the current health guidelines. So how do you um, obtain enough resources in the midst of an industry-wide driver shortage, enough school buses, or even other adults to help maintain social distancing on that bus? So that's a key consideration that we hear other districts are grappling with as well. Uh, What else would you like to say about these possibilities that exist over the next several weeks for going back to school? So uh, we know that um, the the state has uh, said that they will provide further direction for how schools will return the week of July 27th. And as we are working towards that date, we're talking with our families, we're talking with our staff, We have a a planning committee uh, that's broken down into uh, individual subcommittees and task forces that involves over 150 district staff, principals, and teachers in trying to help us work through what will be the practices and protocols that will be in place if we're in a hybrid model or if we're in a, a, a distance learning model. And so really hearing from families. We have another survey coming out, uh, I think today, asking about families and uh, their feelings about returning in the fall to help us to help inform uh, some of that hybrid model planning uh, that we're currently working on. We do want to let people know that our emergency meal services is continuing at least through August 21st, uh, and they can identify those locations on our website. We um, any, any child in Minneapolis under the age of 18, uh, 18 or younger, can pick up a box that has seven days' worth of two meals a day. 
And so those meals will continue um, into August through August 21st. And we also strongly encourage families to keep the district updated on their contact information um, so that we can communicate as, um, as decisions are made we can effectively reach out to all of our families. That was one of the problems that we had in technology distribution is we didn't always have good, good contact information. So I want to have, you know, have a ask for families to help us with that as well. Karen DeVette, Senior Operations Officer for Minneapolis Public Schools, thank you so much for talking with me today. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having us.